Well, good morning, West Bowles Church, West Bowles Community Church family. I'm glad and honored to be preaching today. My name is Ryan Long, and I'm the associate minister. We have one to 200 screens per week uh, that worship with us online, and many download our podcast. So welcome, online community and family. Thanks for tuning in and worshiping with us this morning. Can you believe it's already late November? I mean, Thanksgiving is Thursday. I mean, it's just crazy. I don't even know how that happened. Um, It hasn't really even snowed yet either. Have you noticed that? We haven't even had a real snowstorm yet. I think we've like, I don't know, I think we're having some kind of record this year of, I guess, the latest snowstorm ever in recorded history. Anyway, so that means either, uh, and we'll see, either we're going to have a mild winter or maybe we're going to have a blizzard, you know, maybe every week now until June. So we'll just have to see what happens. I don't know. Anyway, I'm continuing our three-week miniseries, Taking November to Remember. And Nathan started us off with um, remembering and being thankful for the people in our lives that have made us who we are today. Thanking God and them for what they mean to us and the part that they have played in our story. Well, this morning, I'm going to share about our great need for God, shown through the story of Jesus anointed by a sinful woman found in Luke 7, 36 through 50. And as Nathan shared, gratitude happens when we look back and remember. So when we look back, there are some things that we want to remember and maybe some things that we would rather forget. So for me, some of my hairstyles, outfits, costumes, nicknames, I'd rather forget. And so I have some examples this morning of things I want to forget. So here's picture number one. Uh, That picture right there, oh my gosh. I mean, a flat top mullet, business on top, party in the back. Look look at just the way that thing flips and flows in the back. I mean, the white turtleneck. I was in my prime. All right, next picture. That's uh, me breakdancing. Uh, those are like MC Hammer pants. You could actually zip down the sides and like pink would like be exposed right through here. So those were super fancy. And uh, yeah, I could definitely dance. I was a stub muffin. Okay, here's picture number three. Um, I was called Cyclops because I did have a birthmark in the middle of my forehead. So that is me right there. That's my pink tie. That is also a, another picture and nickname I'd like to forget. Uh, another picture here. Uh, that's me. On this side right here, that was a phase I went through, and yes, I'm dressed up like a girl. Next picture, uh, that right there, I mean, the 80s called, and they want their outfit back. But that thing, I mean, look at the, the purple, I mean, those sunglasses. Oh, man, those, uh, those looked really, I mean, those just look really nice. Uh, so those are some things I'd rather forget. Also, I had a nickname last week on the mission trip to Mexico that I would like to forget, all right? I couldn't carry the drywall. It was a double package drywall, okay? The two, the real big ones that are double packages that are together, I couldn't carry it by myself. My wife could, but I couldn't. But anyway, so the Mexican crew that was working with us on the job site last week, uh, the name that they had for me was Princessa. Now, I'm not going to tell you what that means, but it was Princessa. Um, 
Yeah, that's a, a nickname that I'm really trying to forget, too. Anyway, so, all right, back to remembering, okay? So we're going to jump right into the passage this morning. So look on the screen behind me or follow me in your Bibles. Again, it's Luke seven thirty-six through 50, all right? Again, this is Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped him with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who he is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. He said, tell me, teacher. He said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One of them, 500 denarii, and the other, 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replies, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. Uh, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she was, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. Well, well, there's a lot going on here. And this morning, we're going to look at the heart of the unnamed woman, Simon, and Jesus in this story. But first, We need a little context. The Pharisees were a Jewish group, and they were religious, but they were not spiritual, and they thought that they were better than everybody else because they followed the letter of the law. And Pharisee even means the separated ones. And Simon was a Pharisee, and he's the one that invited Jesus to dinner. And the affluent people in that time, they had a large dining area in the courtyard of their home. And women were not allowed to eat there, nor take part in the discussion. They were only allowed to listen. Jesus was reclining, and they didn't like sit like in regular chairs with their feet under the table. They would kind of lean back and prop up their elbow, and they would eat with the right hand. And this woman approached him, a sinful woman, which means she most likely was a prostitute and led a sinful life. And she broke many Uh, social customs. To name only a few, she shouldn't have washed his feet. That that was for slaves. She shouldn't have approached him. She was a woman. This was a patriarchal society. And her hair should not have been unbound because that was seen as, as inappropriate or scandalous. And the list goes on and on and on. 
And then there's the kissing. In Western culture, we interpret a kiss, right, as a gesture of, of, of romance, okay? But in the days of Jesus, a kiss was a gesture of friendship and devotion. And I was thinking we should bring that back now because on Sunday mornings, it'd be great to come in to the foyer and have Ed Lore or Ed Lore's, you know, mustache just give me a kiss right here on the cheek. And we we should reboot that custom. Just kidding. I don't want that to happen. Anyway, kissing and putting perfume on his feet were signs of devotion. And to get an idea how crazy this whole scene is, imagine being invited to a party, a formal dinner, with special guests of honor, an incoming teacher, a religious teacher, and everything's going great. Then the doorbell rings, and a young woman comes in, a party crasher, looks the part, and starts caressing the teacher's feet, kissing his feet, crying, letting her hair down, washing his feet with oil, and then drying it with her hair. I mean, this was a bold move in front of these religious leaders. Simon and the guests had to be shocked, right? And they had to be confused, I mean, and also just imagine the place that this woman was in to even, to even do this based on how she responded to Jesus. This woman probably hit rock bottom and probably had nowhere to turn. From the scripture, we can deduce that she had heard his teaching before. She was probably enslaved by past sin, Maybe some trauma, addictions, need for money, acceptance, or, or even need for intimacy. Are we like the woman? Does your past haunt you? Do we or do you have, have guilt or, or, or fear or regret? Or do you feel abandoned, rejected, maybe lost, abused, out of place, out of options, out of sorts, used or mistreated? Are, are, are you called names or looked down on? Do you feel, I, I don't know, in despair? Do you feel tired, worn out, nowhere to turn, needing answers for help? Well, you came to the right place. The feet of Jesus. It's important to remember our need for him and where we came from. The other day I read some of my journal entries from high school before I became a Christian and I was not in a good place. In high school, I didn't have a great reputation and my mental health wasn't the best and I was pretty insecure and I was pretty lost and lonely and depressed. I was in a dark place. We must remember our stories. We must remember our testimonies and what God has brought us through. No matter what we have done or seen or been through, God has always been there, just rooting us on. And just like this woman, God sees you. Jesus saw the heart of this woman. And God sees you now. And he sees your heart. And he knows all of your fears. He knows all of your worries. He knows all of your insecurities, your need to be liked or loved, or your mistakes or your thoughts. He sees everything. Our actions, the the selfishness, the sin, the trauma, the doubts, what we've seen, whatever. Those deep hurts, God sees all of you. And he sees past those labels or those names your family or society's put on you. He sees past your labels or limitations that you put on yourself. He sees your heart. Just like he did with this woman 2,000 years ago. He knows when you can't fall asleep at night. He knows if you're like worried about finances or your health or your kids or your job. 
He knows your desire to to get married or have kids or get pregnant or stay married. He knows us. He sees us. He sees into our hearts and, and into our thoughts and into our souls. He sees us when we're having dark days. Remember, he loves us. He loves us way too much, and we're not alone. He's right there with us. We can't hide from God. Sometimes when we're living in sin or doing something we know we shouldn't, we almost try to hide, right, or distance ourselves from God like maybe Adam and Eve did in the garden. We have shame and guilt, yet we can't hide. We don't need to hide. He sees everything and loves us even more. And how is that possible? We have to remember his love is different. We typically love, like human love, right? It's based on, right, like how they make us feel, uh, attraction, dopamine, oxytocin, similar interests, money, kids, or what we can get for them. God's flex is that his love is eternal and unconditional. When we sin, we want to turn away from God and others, but he wants us to turn towards him and camp out at his feet. We must remember that he sees and he knows us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this woman, she realized that in that moment. She saw that. She realized that. She got it. She was like, this man gets me. Jesus understands me. He knows my heart. He sees me and all of my baggage, and he gets me, and he can handle it. And he loves all of me. The woman's extravagant love demonstrates that her heart has been changed by her experience of the grace and the love and the forgiveness of God. It takes humility to see one's need for forgiveness, and God honors humility. Have we lost our emotional response to Jesus? I mean, this woman was sobbing at the feet of Jesus, yet I notice, at least for me, sometimes, I don't know, it's, uh, I just rarely get emotional about God's forgiveness. It's like, I know I should, but sometimes I don't. And I don't know if it's that maybe I'm too comfortable or apathetic or I've taught it too many times or I've heard it too many times. Why does it affect me the way it did when I became a Christian 26 years ago? Why does it affect me the way it did to this woman? At times, I think I get more emotional watching like a TV show or a movie than knowing my creator loves me so much that he died for me. And maybe it's because at times I grade myself on the curve. It's like, I'm not that bad. I compare myself to others. I do more than them, or I haven't done this or that. They're bad, I'm better. But I must realize that's one of the worst mistakes I can make. Maybe I don't get emotional because I don't realize the weight of what I have done or what he has done. I hope we can all get to a place, and I hope I can get to a place where we are moved by the forgiveness of our sins. Like this woman. Another mistake we could make is that we think we need his grace less than someone else. So let's not be too smug to notice that we're all in need of his forgiveness. We can't fall into the trap that we're better than most. None of us can meet God's standards. We are unable to get into his perfect kingdom without Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. We all have much to be forgiven. Forgiveness is a gift, and we all can receive it. 
We must realize that we have sinned and that we need his forgiveness. He forgives endlessly. God's forgiveness is not based on whether you deserve it. It's a question of whether you want it. A couple of years ago, my wife and I went on a Compassion International trip to Rwanda. And we visited a Christian high school called Bridge to Rwanda, where they had the top 50 smartest kids in the whole country. And the purpose of the school was to get them into an Ivy League university in the States. And it was all paid for. Their whole education, no cost, uh, room, board, books, fees, tuition, everything, all paid for. I figured out that in their money, that would be about $8 million, okay? Their health, uh, health insurance in Rwanda is 20 U.S. dollars a year. So that gives you the idea of the cost and the size of the gift that they're receiving. It's big, and there's no way that they could ever pay that debt on their own. I want to show a video. This is of them... Uh, opening their acceptance email to the school of their choice in the U.S. So watch a quick video. I just, I love their reactions. They knew it was a big deal and they could feel it and everybody was so happy for them. Uh, I talked to some of the kids that are seeing this video and, and their goal was to get that education in the States here and then go back to Rwanda and make their country better. I know it's for me, I want this I want that kind of excitement about my free gift, about our free gift, the free gift of salvation and the forgiveness of my sins. We all have a debt we cannot pay, and Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. The woman, she was expressive, and she was emotional with her forgiveness. She loved much because her many sins were forgiven. Our awareness of our spiritual condition is tied to our actions. If we think we have only a little bit of sin, we might only try the minimum. And it kind of reminds me of what a lot of people do, right? In high school and stuff like that, there's a saying like, C's get degrees. We, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do just enough to get by. We don't want to become like unemotional or disconnected like Sunday morning pew sitters. How much do we love Jesus? A little or a lot. And our response is in our heart. Our response is in our actions. Simon, the religious leader, was so full of himself, he could barely stand the sight of this immoral woman generously lavishing her extravagant love on the Lord. 
her many tears, her deep affection, public reverence, her anointing at his feet were all traceable to forgiveness, and thus her extravagant love for the Lord. She had been forgiven much, and so she loved much. Jesus didn't sweep her sin under the rug or act like it didn't exist, but rather dealt with it. Her sin had been forgiven, and her life changed. And how do we know that? Her tool of trade, the the flask of perfume, was no longer needed. Rather than putting it on herself to make her more attractive, she poured it on the feet of Jesus. And this shows a changed heart and life. When we realize the depth of his love, our life will be different. Jesus cares about the heart. And when your heart is in the right place, everything else will follow. Her love was not the root, but the fruit of her forgiveness. What greater proof of respect, reverence, and gratitude could she have given? Proof was in her love. She couldn't do enough to express her gratitude and love. The perfume represented a year's worth of wages. No cost was too great. Now, Simon, Simon is a grave warning to all of us. It is quite possible to have a form of religion and yet not know the message of Christ. Jesus, the Savior, Creator, God himself in the flesh, was in his home, yet did not even perform one of the common Eastern hospitality traditions of that time. We must watch out that we not treat Christianity with respect, yet be utterly blind to its greatest commandments to love God and each other. This story shows how much he loves all of us, everybody. His amazing compassion and mercy to all. And if you notice, it's to Simon and the sinful woman. So are we like Simon? Simon didn't really love Jesus. Simon was concerned about his own reputation and prestige. Simon did not see himself as much of a sinner. Simon thought he was better than this woman. Simon did not believe he needs Jesus. And he confirms this by the absence of gratitude and love towards him. Ironically, Simon was the more religious of the two. Simon didn't need a savior. His savior, in a sense, was his deeds, his religion, his knowledge, and thus didn't need forgiveness. And sadly, I think, at least for me, at times, or for us, our devotion is not to to Christ, but to almost like a religious tradition. We become so captivated with tradition, ritual, and habit that we've ignored Jesus and the hurting world around us. Do we do what Simon does? Invite Jesus into our house and then not treat him with respect? Do we sometimes have good intentions and think about doing things for Christ, but then, or doing things for Christ and for others, but don't follow through? Unexpressed, unexpressed gratitude is like wrapping a present and then not giving it to them. When we do something for somebody because we're thankful for them, that love gives them a chance for them to be grateful for you. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And he wants into our hearts. He wants into the party. And none of us are perfect. None of us are good enough. We all fall short. And we all need Jesus and his forgiveness. And repentance involves 
understanding that we fall short of what God wants. And forgiveness of sins is received by faith and is followed by gratitude and love towards the forgiver. Let loving gratitude toward Jesus be characteristic of our walk with him. The Christian, therefore, should not be, we should not be complacent in our service to God. Packed churches, you know, having a lot of people, that's great and nice. But if that's all that we have to offer, we failed. We can't trick ourselves that going to church really has, well, and I don't even know if I should say this, but has anything to do with living like Christ. Sure, we can worship and we can pray, but in the sense of living service as demonstrated by, his, by this woman, we can see it's, it sacrifices time, resources, energy. And, it, and she offered it to her Lord. When we do for God, it's the most natural expression of gratitude and love for our Creator. The motivation behind our service must be fueled by gratitude. If we're truly thankful for what God has done, our love for others will look like this woman, expensive and risky and extravagant. God's love is extravagant. Our love towards others should be extravagant. When we truly get, when we truly understand what he has done for us, how much he loves us, and how much we've sinned, it'll lead us to falling at his feet and living a thankful life. We must turn our gratitude into thanksgiving. See what I did there? Okay, thanksgiving. The more we understand forgiveness, the more we're able to love. Let's not just go through the motions, doing what's expected or what we're supposed to do. What I love, though, is even though Simon's heart may have not been in the best or the right place, Jesus showed him grace, too. So we can see the heart of the woman. Thankful, humble, reverent, emotional, remorseful, and generous. Okay, we can see the heart of this woman. The heart of Simon is kind of a bit removed unemotional, disconnected, maybe in a little dogmatic or religious, maybe competitive, maybe robotic, prideful, stingy, judgmental, and critical. Maybe our heart is one or the other, or maybe like most of us, or maybe like most of us, we live somewhere in between. I don't know what you but I, I feel like I go back and forth between these extremes, like daily. And maybe that's normal, I don't know. But I do know that I love the heart of Jesus. And so, are we like Jesus? Scripture tells us that Jesus would often need to be alone, right? To be with his Father, to pray, to get refreshed or whatever, to get to find direction. And we can't forget, though, that often... Jesus is around people. He couldn't help himself. His heart is for people, all people. And dare I say, I don't know if I should say this, but this man likes to party. I mean, Jesus loved to go to parties. His first miracle was at a wedding. Everybody drank all the wine, and Jesus is like, all right, water and the wine, let's keep going. Let's keep this party going. I mean, Jesus loved to celebrate. He loved to be around people. It seems Jesus loved being around people and he used 
every situation as a teachable moment. Jesus likes his creation and wants to be around us no matter where we're at in our life or where we're at in our faith. Thank God for his grace, understanding, and love. Jesus was teaching and showing Simon about how we're to live. And the people we are to surround ourselves with. He showed us how to treat others with dignity and respect. Where and when are we in the presence of people that maybe look or act differently or think differently than us? His heart is for all, yet we're often only around a few, usually that just look, again, that look like us or talk like us. We must remember the radical love of Jesus for all. When we realize our own need for Christ, it will get us out of our comfort zones and put us in situations and maybe even at parties with others that need Christ in his love. Isn't that what we are to do? Why do we find it so hard to associate with the kind of people Jesus did? Let's not stand back and admire or judge. Let's jump in there and imitate the one we believe that came from heaven. We need to find creative ways and and situations where we're around people, around people that need Jesus, that need our love. Jesus was at a party and made an eternal impact on a woman in need. In all my sermons, I have to say Brett. So I'm sorry, I have to, Brett, I'm sorry I have to use your name. Anyway, but Brett, he invited me to play video games almost 30 years ago. We played a video game called NBA Jam. Yeah, it was like, he's on fire! And you would, it was a basketball game on the Sega with only like three buttons. Anyway, Brett invited me over. We played video games. My life started going down a different path at that moment. Our love, presence, and words can have a huge, lasting impact on others. If we're just going through the motions, not only will we burn out, but we're going to get bored. Our hearts and souls need to be fully in it. In this story... It seems like the ones on the outside are in and the ones on the inside are out. We must be leery and careful if we think we're on the inside and that we have it all figured out. If Jesus was living like physically walking around the earth right now, 2021, I mean, I know he's with us here now, but I'm just saying, if he was walking around, what would he be doing? Where would he be? Where would he live? What would he say? What would he say to us? What would he say to you? I don't know, but... Shouldn't we try to figure that out? If we're, her, we're his followers, doesn't that mean we follow him? We, as a church and individuals, need to dream and think outside of the box. Let's be more like him who created us, more in touch with our gifts, talents, and abilities, and put them used for, to, um, for God and his kingdom. Being thankful is not really a feeling, but a verb. The heart of Jesus is for all people. And I hope we as a church and individually have the same heart for others. Jesus does. And this story screams the need for the church and not just any church, but one that says, you're welcome here. And that was me 27 years ago. I had a reputation at Chatfield and this church accepted me. Let's be that kind of people in that kind of church. People who know no gift is too good for the one who has given us everything a church that makes clear everyone is welcome at the dinner table who Jesus is our guest. Also, why can't our own families be more like that too? 
more inclusive rather than exclusive. So go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Another translation of this verse reads, your trust has made you alive. Trust God to keep his promise. Feel that weight off of your shoulders. You don't need to carry everything around. Trust God and his promise. Be free. It's free. Don't feel the need to be the judge or to put on a show. Trust God is enough. The sinful woman was saved because she put her faith in Jesus, not in her own goodness. And when Jesus says, go in peace, she can finally have peace with herself and maybe even her own body or God and others. So if you put your faith in Jesus, your faith will make you alive. She loved because Jesus loved her first. The more we can understand forgiveness, the more we are able to love. There's some things that I want to forget. Again, Nicknames, uh, costumes, princesses, hairstyles, clothes that I thought were maybe cool years ago. But some things like this closing story I want to remember forever. I know John Trovinger uh, gave uh, everybody an update regarding the Juarez uh, Mexico mission trip. And the mother of the family that received the new house said a couple of things that really touched my heart. She said that her kids don't have to play on dirt, and their kids don't have to be cold anymore. One of the girls ran into the room, uh, into her new room, and she said, Mikama, Mikama, my bed, my bed. This little girl has a warm bed with the mattress that she can sleep on now. This family has a house with drywall, insulation, beds, concrete floors. So again, thank you, West Bulls, for stepping up donating money, your prayers, and the hands that built this house. During the key ceremony, which is where um, we all give a blessing over the keys into the family um, that are going to be receiving the new house. And there was a touching moment where, again, that I'll never forget, a family from Honduras uh, that works with mission, mission ministries as missionaries in Mexico, in Juarez, they have a nine-year-old son named Mateo. And he gave a blessing that had all of us in tears. And we have video of this moment. It's a little hard to hear, but you're going to get the gist of it just by the action that you're going to be able to see. And again, it was taken from a cell phone. And it's interesting, if you can hear it, that the boy talks about angels being all around the house, and you're going to see there's like a strange orb of light in this video. And there's a big, like, blue bag, okay, that you're going to see, and he hands it over to the kids of this family, all right? And one of these kids was just recently diagnosed with leukemia, and so he hands his bag over to this family receiving the new house, and The crazy part is the bag is full of his toys. All right, these are Mateo's toys that he's handing over to this family. So let's see if we can watch it here. So he will take your, send angels to your house. (laughs) And this son toys that I had, and I want to give it to the little one. 
God bless you and uh, God take care of your family. Thank you. Ahorita los abrimos. <laughs> this kid again handed his toys over to this family this kid who's got nothing handed his toys over to this new family that just got this house this kid understands what it means to be grateful let's be that thankful let's remember that we are all in need of God's love his grace and forgiveness and let's be his heart through our hands. Let's be that as a church and as individuals. His heart through our hands. Worship team, we're going to come up for one last um, praise song. And uh, church, pray with me. God, help us to remember how great your love is. Help us to see you every day. And God, we know that you see us. God, help us to see the needs around us. God, we thank you for, for just life and this church and our friends and our, our family and your blessings. God, help us to see our need for your love, forgiveness. God, help us to enjoy being around your children. Help us to see the urgent need for them to know you. God, continue to use this church to build your kingdom. God, use our hands to show others your heart. We pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. All right, thank you, West Bowles, for letting me share this morning. If anybody is kind of feeling a tug on your heart this morning or just need somebody to talk to or need prayer, we do have Stephen ministers that will be out in the foyer right after the service. You're going to see... Uh, like a blue name tag, and they can pray with you. So thank you, West Bulls.